0: Amato's fifth quarter is partnered with The Inner Sanctum. The Inner Sanctum, founded in 2020, is the new ball game and sports journalism which aims to take you behind the closed doors of sporting clubs around the country in an effort to tell the stories of those on the field. Visit The Inner Sanctum at www.theinnersanctum.com.au as well as following them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The Inner Sanctum, unique interviews. Unique content for you. This is Dale Kicker. This is
1: Eugene Greckage. This is
2: Kevin Brooks. This is Jack
1: Fitzpatrick. This is Dale McDonald. This is Sam Jacobs. This is
2: Calvert. This is Marcus Burris. This is
0: Sean Redditch. This is Hamish McIntosh. And you're listening to Amato's Fifth Quarter.
1: Complete, and after once being the worst franchise in Australian history, the Sydney Kings, with an unprecedented 3 have become Australian sporting royalty. in the huge which coat He hits it. He's yes! got us. He's got the field goal. He's got the premiership. He has gone from a captain to a legend, and probably rugby league immortality. Oh, the score to the home. They've gone back to back. You cannot believe what you saying in a big three. Williams is there. He makes the catch. What a windy road home. It's going, for the first time in 10 years, the Claxton Shield is back in Brisbane. Presenting to you, Liam, and the Melbourne Ice. The good old cup. And
0: Everyone and welcome to episode number 16 of A5Q. I'm your host Dan, and today for the Sweet 16th to celebrate, we have got a very special guest on tonight. My special guest is Hamish McIntosh, who played in the AFL, played for North Melbourne and Geelong as well. He's got a very very good story. He was definitely a journeyman in the AFL uh, because a lot of his career were hampered by pretty serious injuries. He had to. you know a lot lot of time was spent on the sidelines in his 12 seasons in the AFL he played 126 games but he could have possibly played a lot more than that probably could have hit around sort of the 230 to 250 mark and it's a shame that he had so many injuries that really uh, hampered his career because I mean he was a very good player great ruckman for for North Melbourne and Geelong but had he not had all those injuries, it would have been interesting to see how good he really could have been with his size and his build and how strong he was um, and how dominant he was in the ruck. It would have been great because I think he could have been just as good as the likes of Nick Natanui and, and Max Gorn and Brody Grundy and these sort of guys. So the fact he never really got a great run at it is a shame. But when you listen to him speak, you'll gauge the sort of character. He's a very He's a very positive man and... He, he's very grateful for the career he had because, I mean, I asked him in the interview, I said, do you regret not playing as consistently in terms of getting continuity in your game and and playing regular football. And his answer is very, very interesting, and I'm not going to spoil it or anything, but he's got a great perspective on his career and his life, and he's very grateful for what he has. From 2003 to 2015, he played 126 games of top-level AFL, scored 66 goals and played in four finals. Um, he did play for North Melbourne, as I said, from 2003 to 2012, and then Geelong for three seasons, 2013, 14. And 15, for much of his career, he does deal with a lot of setbacks, a lot of injuries. Um, He only ever played 20 games or more in a season on three occasions. Four seasons in his career did not play a game and three seasons played less than 10 games. So um, for him to, to notch up over 120 games was a great effort. Um, and he talks about a lot of different topics, North Melbourne days. He talks about Dean Laidley, who, of course, we know now uh, is Danny Laidley. I mean, that's not something we get into that side of things, but we get into Dean Laidley and what the influence he had on Hamish McIntosh's career. We talk about the 2007 season, which, of course, is is sort of a forgotten season really because North Melbourne came into that year not expected to achieve too much and they ended up uh, finishing fourth and going all the way to the preliminary final. So that's a, a really interesting story there as well as the period where there was a little bit of talk in the AFL that North Melbourne were potentially going to relocate to the Gold Coast. That's something he touches on a bit as well. That was a really interesting topic. Uh, we talk about his move to... Geelong at the end of the 2012 season and that first season at the Cats in 2013, where again, he wasn't able to play a single game and and that being the most difficult year, not just of his career, but of his life. And he goes into that as well. And then eventually in 2015, that final season at Geelong, where again, unfortunately, he didn't play a game. Uh, We talk about the decision to retire. His perspective on his career was something that really stood out to me. So, so definitely a lot of respect for him and, and the way he carries himself as a person and, and as a footballer as well. From the North Melbourne and Geelong football clubs, it's Hamish McIntosh about to come onto the ground.
1: So, join in the and sing it. head of steam here, again McIntosh with superior strength, he saw off-line back to McIntosh, 50 metres out, he can kick a goal McIntosh, and he has, it doesn't matter, McIntosh has run on, his first kick for Geelong is a major, welcome to the Canary, Hamish McIntosh.
0: Welcome back to Amato's 5th quarter and today Hamish Mcintosh is my special guest from the North Melbourne Angelong Football Club. Hamish, thank you very much for coming on the show today.
2: No, at all. Thank you for having me.
0: So, in the blink of an eye, it's already been over half a decade now since your last, well, your last AFL game was in what, 2014. Last season was 2015. What have you yep. been up to now since you've since you've hung up the boots and and how's the last 5 or 6 years gone for you?
2: Uh, of so I retired in for the middle of 2015. Um, I must admit, by the time uh retirement happened, I was sort of relieved that that time had come. My body was pretty well um, practiced by that, that point, mate. So I was pretty keen to move on to the next stage of my life. And I guess the only positive I saw through my career being injured was it prepared for my life after football. And I got, I uh, did a lot of work in real estate and property the last three, four years before I retired, and then just trans- uh, transitioned into that once I finished. So. I worked at a previous job, um, yeah, working in property, then I've just come across to a new company over the last 12 months to be our national BDM and head of property, which I've been doing for about like 12, 15 months. Um, but yeah, been working in property for close to six or seven years, plus the extra four or five years I did at AFL level. So yeah, always had a massive passion for this industry and yeah, really enjoy it.
0: That's awesome. So it's obviously a very different sort of game to, to being a professional sportsman.
2: It's definitely a bit easier on the body, that's for sure. <laughs> so it's, um, the only problem I have now is my back pain for sitting in the chair too long. So it's been really enjoyable. I, I, I love my life. I love my time playing professional sport. But it's a different sort of a passion and it's a different, I suppose, getting out of bed every day. I, I really enjoy my job, enjoy what I do now. I had a great passion for football, but... It, uh, i definitely just as energised um, in what I do now, and it's a different sort of, sort of mindset with this job, but um, I have just as, run as much as energy now getting out of bed as I did when I played football, love what I do, um, and again, excited for where
0: life will take us um, going forward. Oh, awesome, awesome, beautifully said. So, Hamish, taking you back to the beginning, you were originally, is it pronounced Lavington in New South Wales? Lavington, that's Lavington, Lavington. Yeah. Just on the Murray, on the Murray River, there was football always your main choice of sport because obviously New South Wales is is very well known for its rugby league. Was AFL always the main gig for you?
2: It was, mate. It was. It was. Um, I guess in, when I was uh, in school, I was always one of those kids. I think like everyone have your winter and summer sports, and um, I played football in winter and played a bit of mixture in tennis and, and cricket in the summer, but. Look, like it got to the point probably when I was 13, 14 that yeah, football is always my passion and um loved playing it, loved watching it. Um, obviously growing up, not every game was on TV, so always used to watch, uh, listen to the games on radio. I was a joint supporter as a kid, so Gary Ablett, fanatic, and just loved everything he did as a footballer and uh, lived and breathed it. And it got to the point where I sort of started taking it pretty seriously when I was sort of 15, 16. Started to make a few rep sides um, and then obviously went to the Murray Bush Rangers and got drafted out of there, so... Look, I started playing football when I was six, I think it was, the Little League, and stayed at Lavington until I got drafted at 18. And it's a great club, and I was getting up there, and yeah, very fortunate.
0: So were you always a taller kid, and was Ruck always the position for you?
2: Uh, it wasn't, actually. I played key position um, always as a junior, so I played forward All um, through my junior level, a bit of Ruck, um, sort of occasionally, it was just depending on the amount of balls we had in our side. So sometimes when the under-15 years started and was short on falls, so I'd sort of be a bit forward, a bit of ruck, and there was a find of ruck from somewhere, I'd, I'd usually always go forward. Uh, and then I got to 16, and I played more, um, played more forward in the rep sides. and then I went to, oh, obviously, my Bush to a big country, and again, played more forward than ruck. Um, and then when I got drafted to, to North Melbourne, um, yeah, Dean Lazy at the time actually said to me, we're going to play as a ruck, but not a forward. So. Um, I was a bit underdone, I was very when I got drafted, so I needed a lot of work, uh, but got to the point um, where I, uh, I got myself fit enough after three or four years, I decided to play AFL football, but yeah, growing up I was always a key forward mate, you used to love a snag, probably more than a hit out, but um, yeah, now, I was happy they put me in the ruck mate, because it gave me a career that I could, um, yeah, was very fortunate for.
0: Wow, so you actually weren't a bona fide ruckman per se, until you actually started playing AFL.
2: No, I wasn't. No, I played, I played all my junior career, and um, yeah, majority of my junior career, I was more of a forward than a ruck. So, um, it would have been like a 70-30 split. So, I, I did ruck occasionally, but if you ask me my split between ruck and forward as a junior, um, yeah, definitely played more forward than ruck.
0: Wow. And you were you played with the Murray Bush Rangers before you b- were picked up uh, as a number nine in the first round of the 2002 draft. When was it you knew you had the capabilities to actually play football professionally in the AFL? Well,
1: I
2: don't think it was ever really come to me that there's ever a time that, that hit, but I just sort of realised, I guess, when I was about 15, 16, that I started to make a few um, of the school side reps, etc. And then even now, I never really took that seriously. And then my first year at Murray Bush Rangers, I went okay. Um, I didn't set the world on fire, but had some good games. And then just the end of that year, I sort of got myself as fit as I could at that age, where I thought fit was, and um, yeah, then my top age year, I just had a bit of a breakout year for Murray Bush Rangers, and at Labeyeson as well when I was back there, and yeah, sort of a bit of interest came from there, and I guess because I was tall, and yeah, sort of came out of nowhere, and then I yeah, sort of realised it could, could potentially be a career for me, and um, I never really took it that seriously. I was like any kid, I throw and' will worried about just, you know, back then, just hanging out with your mates, and, Having a good time, you know, finding where the parties were on the weekend and that sort of stuff, mate. So, like any young kid and then, yeah, sort of a draft. And I guess that's why I was, I was pretty raw when I came in. Uh, because I was a bit underdone, mate. I needed a bit of work when I got through it, but I got there. And, um, yeah, it took me a while to get to ASO level, but um, I wouldn't change a thing for the world, mate. So i that a very fortunate
0: life. And what about coming into North? I mean, you came in at a time where there was still a lot of the players from the, that period in the 90s. What was it like coming into that sort of environment down there in North Melbourne?
2: Oh, well, it was pretty intimidating. I was just raw kid from the country, mate. So as you can imagine, I was 18, moving down to from Albury, Donga to the big smoke, and didn't know a lot about anything. So look, I was pretty raw. I'm pretty, I you know, suppose, gobsmacked when you walk around the room. And not any young kid having to see, mate, walk into a footy pub. if you're not, I suppose, a little bit nervous or or starstruck in a way when you see the superstars of the game at any age, I suppose, when you walk in. But you're know, walking in the same Grant Harvey and Shannon Grant and. Ben Archer, Anthony Stevens, David King, all those superstars that have played in premierships for the footy club. Um, yeah, I definitely didn't say a lot my first year, mate. I just tried to put my head down and, and do what I could do and sort of learn my way. I thought sort I of knew what hard work was, but old miles off when I got drafted. And needed a lot of work in my fitness, a lot of work, I suppose, in my mindset as well to realise what a footballer was. And yeah, that's why it probably took me so long to get to the point of playing consistent AFL footy, because um, I was very much very raw when I got drafted.
0: Yeah, because your first season of playing, 2005, you, you just played the one game against Adelaide, who were a great side that year, the one that won the minor premiership. Do you remember that that first game in 2005?
2: Yeah, I do. Yep. So I was over in Adelaide, played against um, Matthew Clark and Brett for the two rough and rough against. So as you can imagine, mate, I was 21. Brett and I think we would have been 28, 29. I'm sure you remember him as a player. <laughs> I always
0: remember him because I think he looks like Patrick Swayze.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, he's, he's probably going to be bigger than Patrick at the time. So, he's a big man. And then I didn't, um, I then had Matthew Clark, I'm sure you remember as well, Big dog Clark. So, we were pretty seasoned roughly And then I got myself, 21, pretty raw. And David Hale was the other wrestling as well. So, mate, it was a really good experience. I didn't play much of the game, but look, just first game, I was at Adelaide, packed out, played against two pretty senior reckon uh, I thought I was in, uh, at a point where I was ready to play AFL, but I realised I was still a pretty long way away before I um, was ready to go after the game. And that's why I probably didn't play again that year because I needed a lot of work and I just couldn't get a spot back in the side.
0: Apologies that you've got to listen to my kind of deep, kind of not deep, croaky sort of voice. But anyway, quarter time here on A5Q. And if you missed last week's episode where I had a chat with former NBL champion, four-time champion, in fact, Sean Redditch of the Perth Wildcats and the New Zealand Breakers, then you definitely got to go check it out. To convince you, here is a little snippet of it. I think when you go, come to the Wildcats, uh, you know,
1: every preseason, they're, they're not talking about making the finals. They're talking about winning titles and uh you know we hadn't done that up until that point we had, had some good teams but just had got over the hump and then brought in Rob Beveridge and you know he brought in a, a lot of different gods we only kept a couple guys from the year before so I'm not sure we really thought that first year was going to be a championship year but we were playing some great basketball at the end it was a, a really close uh season we ended up the year, but I think it just kind of, more a sense of relief, it just kind of validated your time at the Wildcats, I think if you came over here and you played for so many years and had won a championship, um, you know, when you got Ricky Grace sitting there with four and Scotty Fisher and um, Andrew Walhoff with all these championships and the banners all around, you kind of felt this pressure that we we needed to get one, and so that, that first one was pretty special.
0: Sean Redditch shares stories of his New Zealand Breakers days, the four Perth Wildcats championships, and of course, playing in the 2008 Olympic Games for Australia against the likes of Kobe Bryant. So definitely check it out. But for now, let's get back to Hamish McIntosh. And the year after 2006, you become a regular in the side, you miss just the five games. But the year after is one I really want to talk about because 2007 was if not your best season, certainly your most consistent. You played every game that year, 25 out of 25. And North Melbourne really surprised the whole competition and they make the top four under Dean Laidley. Now, you make it to the prelim that year. Great year for yourself, as I mentioned. You're even in the All-Australian squad of 40. Is that year a year you look back on the most fondly?
2: The Roos from 14th last season soared up the ladder to take fourth spot and underline their claim as the biggest improvers of 2007. Yeah, definitely for a lot of reasons. Uh, not only just for the form One field, and also we'll break out year if that's what you want to call. Um, but just everything about that year. We ended up starting uh, training that year. Uh, October 6th, I think, was our first time trial. So the week after the grand final, we are back at the club. We had a really ordinary 2006. So They called us back reasonably early, mate. The week after the grand final, I those we so early. So, we had our first time trial. Uh, if you pass the time trial, we had an extra 10 days off, and we started October 16th. So, it was just a really long, big preseason. Everyone was really fit. And it just got to the point, um, yeah, when the group was galvanised, mate. We had an unbelievable preseason. The preseason camp, the stories we still talk about now as a group was just how hard the three days was um, with the S- one of those SAS camps. And then the season started, we actually lost the first three. There's um, there was all this talk about us going to the gold coast. There's just so much stuff going on I and mean, then we lost the first three games and then we ended up winning the next six and just got on a run that year and um, we beat Geelong down in Geelong and you know, Geelong as as ended up winning the flag that year and we beat them down there around four or five I think it was. So just so many good stories. And the group is as tight as the group as I've seen at a footy club that's in my thirteen years of playing. You know, we had a great time on field but off field, you know, have a good win and you know, you get twenty five boys there to a beer after a game and it was just a great time to be alive and the group really galvanised. And um, yeah, footy-wise myself, yeah, I, was, I suppose I got fit, had an opportunity to be the number one ruck that year. Uh, we cleared a lot of the old ruckmen out in 2006 and Lade said to me that it was a opportunity to take the ruck spot. They're going to play David Hale forward and I suppose it gave with the attitude and the incentive I needed made to get fit and yeah, sort of took the opportunity from there.
0: Yeah, because you mentioned there, there were talks you were going to go to the Gold Coast and that's one thing I also wanted to ask you. Was that ever something the players actually thought about? Or did, did you guys ever discuss that? Because there was a point in time where it looked like it was seriously going to happen.
1: We've responded to the Kangaroos' request as to the 12-month extension, and we've said no to that request. It's now up to the Kangaroos as a board to make a decision on whether they wish to
2: pursue the AFL $100 million package or the James Brayshaw plan. Uh... Uh-huh was always talk about it in a locker room with each other, but that's a bit of a, a side combo. But we never really knew how serious it was because the club never really... We never sat down and had a meeting about it saying we're going to move or this might happen. And we just sort of... You know, you got second-hand information from a bit of the club. Um, you yeah, know, you hear about it in the media, you hear about a bit of stuff. But, yeah, a lot of the time... Um, yeah, that's how we sort of saw it. But I don't think we ever really thought it was going to happen because, you know, James Bracer and everyone sort of led a pretty hard charge that we're not going anywhere, and we're obviously pretty keen to stay in Melbourne. As well, so there's just a lot of talk around. I think it's just another thing that added a feel to a pretty good story over those few years that yeah the group sort of, as North always does, finds a way to compete. And, um, yeah, we had a great period of time in '07 and 08. And, um, yeah, just added something to it. But yeah, in terms of going to Gold Coast, yeah, I never really thought we'd go, but again, there's a lot of media speculation about it.
0: Yeah, interesting. That 2007 season, despite how good it was, you guys finished fourth the The finals campaign was quite quite disastrous, really, because you lose the first qualifying final to Geelong by 106 points. You then go play in the semi final. You beat Hawthorne, who were sort of up and coming, you know, at towards that premiership those premiership years. And then you go to the prelim and you lose again to Port by nearly 100 points again. What what went wrong in that 2007 final series?
2: In front of 77,000 at the MCG, the Kangaroos would receive their sternest test so far against the full-strength and heavily favoured minor premiers Geelong. Showing the spirit of old, Michael Ferrito gold early and for much of the first quarter, the teams were evenly balanced. Things would go awry from quarter time.
1: To McIntosh, 50 metres out. He can kick a goal, McIntosh. And he has!
0: <laughs> to Nathan Adler to fall forward. Johnson turns his man. Here's the 100 points over the top. jeffrey has got five.
1: And that's it. A record-breaking win.
2: The season petered out for the Kangaroos with a humiliating loss to the power in the second preliminary final at Amy Stadium. After an even start, the Roos were unable to match Port's run.
1: It's no laughing matter for the Roos. Treadray. Oh, don't tell me. Oh, Tread.
2: Yeah, we obviously we had a great year. We we're all pretty up and about, um, and then we got to the final series. And the Geelong were red hot. Um, yeah, no, we no, no one was going to beat Georgia. Geelong that year. Yeah, they only lost two games for the year. And yeah, look, we wouldn't have thought we were going to lose 106 points, that's for sure. But we got a bit overall, mate, and they just got on a run. And they all bloody good. So yeah, look, it wasn't the day we wanted. But again, everyone wrote us off again. After that game, probably every right it as well, the way we played. And then come back and responded and we had a really good win against the Hawks on the, the Saturday night at the NCG. So, and then, look, the week after was a disaster. It wasn't obviously what we wanted. Uh, ran out a bit of puff. Um, thought we were too good. I'm not sure how we would have gone in the grand final anyway if we got through. But it would have been a great experience to experience what that was like the whole grand final week. And you get to that point, you never know what could happen. But look, the way one was playing and the side they, ha- they had. It would have been a pretty tough ask. But, yeah, look, it, it, could, it could be known as a disaster, I suppose. But it's still pretty positive. I think we've gone from 15, 16 the year before to play off in the prelim um, with everything that was going on at the footy club. Um, yeah, it was a pretty amazing year.
0: Yeah, nice. And just on Dean Laidley, who, uh, you know, as we know, is is now Danny Laidley, and that's something we're, we, you know, we're not going to get into now. But in terms of your experience with him as a coach, how did you... How, what was your relationship like with Dean Laidley as a coach and, and how was he for your development?
2: He was a friend. I loved him so as a coach. So, look, he was intense and he had some love. Like the club wasn't the easiest club that I had to go over all to coach. Like you had to worry about the playing group for one, but obviously the club as a whole, too. probably financially wasn't the most strongest club as we know. So he would have a lot of stress as a, as a coach dealing with a lot of external things to worry about as well, not only just the playing group. But as a coach myself, mate, I, I openly say that I wouldn't have got anywhere near my career without Lade. So he uh, drove, drove me very, very, um, yeah, to, to the point of training. He would do all the running with me. He'd do all this sort of stuff because I couldn't, um, I was very unfit. And Lade just continually was on my back to make myself better, seeing what I was always doing to be a better player. Much I was always doing extras because I needed that someone to really rev me up and keep me accountable because at that time, being young, I didn't had that in me. and didn't have that work right in me. I eventually got there and learned that over time being in the system. But yes, he just rode me really hard at training. Um, he was always doing the runnings with me. He was always getting aggressive. He was always spraying me when he needed to, but then giving me the positive feedback pay- when I needed it. So, look, as a coach, I love what he brought. And I said, oh, I openly say that I was, there's no way I would have had the career and played as long as I did. Without him as a coach, uh, tactically he was brilliant. Um, and I very much enjoyed that time under him.
0: So when he departed the club, what was that like for you? As the chairman of the North Melbourne Football Club, it's my duty to inform you that earlier today, Dean Ladley contacted me to say he was resigning as the coach of the footy club effective immediately. Dean's influence on this club has been immense. He is, of course, a premiership player, a seven-year coach, and most importantly, a respected and greatly admired North Melbourne person.
2: Oh, it's disappointing, but I think everyone knows that you're never really going to play into the one coach for your life. If you do, it's pretty rare. So... I think we sort of saw it coming. We had a really good run in 07, 08, Um and I guess Lade sort of felt like he got the most out of the group. So in 09 he sort of felt like it was time for him to stop, um, stand aside. So yeah, look, it was, it was sad to see him go because obviously you form a former really close bond, he coached up or eight years. Um, but um, yeah, really grateful for the experience we had underneath him. He, yeah, said we had some great times on the Laid on and off the field. We had some. Um, yeah, when he let his hair down, mate, he was really funny. And he sort of joke around the boys, and yeah, he could crack a really good joke. And then obviously on-field, mate, he was really good with, um, yeah, with his tactics. And I think he got the best out of our group for that period of time. For the results we got, I think it was pretty impressive.
0: Just as we're going back a little bit, so 2007. I mean, we talked about the final series, but all up, it was a very good season for you guys. What was the hope for the group going into 2008? Because obviously, when you have a good season. And make a prelim you're expected to go one higher the next year that's just how it goes what was your hope going into 08 because everyone automatically assumed you were going to go to this to the next step was there a lot of pressure going into that 08 season
2: i don't think so i think we just i think we set expectations in ourselves to perform we actually had a reasonably good year we just we were top four all the way through i actually had a disaster that year so i know i was tapping my pcl um early in the year so i sat my pcl i think it was around eight or nine and before that. I had a really shit preseason and um come into the year unskid and I played some half season games but had some average games as well and and then when I got to round nine set my was so on, missed a lot of the year. But as a group, um we had a pretty good year and we got to the last round we we're playing Port Adelaide um who were tenth of eleventh and we were fourth and we only had to win that game to get top four and we just had a disaster and we lost still by sixty or seventy points I think at the NCG and we ended not sixth or sixth. We dropped down and we had to go to Sydney and play Sydney and Sydney and lost the first final. So the year was a bit of a disaster. In the end, it was a letdown because we should have finished top four giving given ourselves a chance. But we really, the last two games of the year, we, we just faltered and uh, we exposed ourselves and we didn't get the top four we deserved.
0: Yeah, because you, you were playing really good football and, and clearly establishing yourself as a number one Ruckman. And then, as you said, you, you did your PCL injury midway through the season. And that derailed your sort of campaign. It might have even cost you an All-Australian jacket. How difficult is it when you have such a good year in 07 and then you get a setback like that? Is it frustrating, or is it just? Do, are you very resilient in that? You just got to get get going, or wh- wh- how do you explain that sort of period? Oh,
2: uh, it's frustrating. I've been asked this question a lot about my injuries. It, it was definitely frustrating. Because I felt like I was definitely in the peak. I felt like the peak period of my career. I was going to play my best football, but. It's very rare you go for a career where you're not injured. So, I've had a lot, i have already had ankle reconstruction before that. And then, you know, this, but I guess from my point of view, look, I, had, I missed a lot of football through injuries, but at least I had a run at it. I had, you know, three or four good years where I was able to play injury free and I guess show what I could do as a footballer. But yeah, look, it was definitely frustrating that particular time to do it. Um, but I guess it just motivated me to get ready for the next year and perform. Uh, some things happened at that end of the season where I got put up for trade and a few things like that. So I was really motivated for two thousand nine to get back and play my best footy, which I did. And yeah, look the part of part of the landscape of playing football unfortunately is it's injuries come. Um, and yeah, just, unfortunately make the game Santa Lanza's knees a bit stronger than mine, mate, and he snapped my PCL in half.
0: Uh, well you um you as you mentioned you did get back and play twenty games in both two thousand nine and two thousand ten. And for the most yeah. part, you're forming a very good rock duo with Todd Goldstein. Although the team struggled to make the finals, and you had the departure of Dean Laidley as we mentioned earlier, and then the appointment of Brad Scott in that time, how did it feel returning from injury and playing regular football week in week out?
2: Oh, it was really good. Yeah, I loved it. So it was. Um, I think you don't want to be injured, so it's just good playing football. And yeah, I guess it was a different. It was different and for me, oh, I suppose 09, or '09, most of the year I was a sole rushman, so Goldie started to come in late in that year, and 2010 we was sort of forming a really good partnership. So, oh, I think like anyone, mate, you just, yeah, you can't be playing football and it allows you to just live a normal life. You're going to have a beer on the weekend with your mates, but when you're injured, your whole life revolves around your body and your injuries and um, you're doing everything right to get back in the park. So, yeah, look, football-wise, it was enjoyable, but obviously, results-wise, it wasn't what we wanted to do either, but still had some great times, mate, and, and still some great friendships and some great experiences through that time, and yeah, look, if I look back at it now, mate, I wouldn't change a lot. I've got some great friends and some great memories out of football, and um, yeah, I 9 know, 10 was definitely part of that.
0: Yeah, great perspective. But what about when Brad Scott takes over the reins as coach? Do you remember that time and when he came in?
2: Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, so Brad obviously came in, a lot of different coaches from his age. Um, yeah, obviously came in and uh, he got the group up and about pretty quickly. So Brad was pretty clear and thorough in his structures and what he wanted from the group. So, yeah, look, he had a really big impact quickly on the group. I know a lot of the players loved him, loved playing underneath him. So uh, Brad was always very open for him to go. So he'd always go talk to Brad in his office, he's always open for conversation. So um which i found um good at times obviously as a player sometimes you can just keep yourself so um there's always probably the most i went into out of any coach i talked to was probably brad to be honest with you so going to have a chat to him about his job because most the time i was injured under under brad as a co- um under bradman is my coach so i was always just going in and I just clear my head mate and clear my brain and letting him know how i'm feeling because yeah as i said football's physically a physical game but the thing between your ears controls a lot of it as well. So it's good just to go and um, I suppose see your mind at times with him. But yeah, as a coach, he came in, had a big impact, structurally changed some things. And I thought the group sort of took a while to adapt to it, but they started to have some really good results um, sort of after I left um, with having a good run in the finals.
0: Yeah, in the two prelims in a row. I think he got the best out of that group that he possibly could have for sure.
2: Absolutely, absolutely mate. Absolutely.
1: Referee says, fellas, take a
0: break. It's half time. Hey, everyone. I just want to say a very big thank you to those who have engaged with A5Q. I really do appreciate all the support. I trust you're enjoying delving into all things Australian sport, and hopefully you will continue to stick around. It would be a massive help if you could please do me a solid. Subscribe to the podcast and hit me up with a rating and a review. Gaining as much positive feedback as possible helps boost my visibility and it allows the podcast to be seen by other Australian sports tragics out there. Now, enough of that. Let's get back into it because the second half of A5Q is about to get underway. What about 2011, which was really a disappointing year for you? You only played the one game. Was that your Achilles that year? Yeah, so I I
2: finished 2010 with a pretty sore Achilles. And then we had a bit of treatment in the off-season which didn't work. And then we went to Utah for our first pre-season camp. And I went over there um, with the Achilles. Uh, Looking back, I shouldn't have gone, I should have stayed in Australia and got treatment or seen specialists here um, to see what we should have done. But the medical team at the time thought it would be best for me to come and train over there. So really what happened is I was over there for three weeks and clearly the Achilles wasn't going to be healing. So I lost three weeks of time where I probably could have got surgery. And then, came back, pretty much saw a surgeon straight away, uh, went in, got a, one done, so one of the Achilles uh, braided back. And then, literally, I was back in the league full training, and, and my other Achilles did exactly the same thing. So, I had to go get the other one done. So, that's why I missed, like I said, I am pretty much missed most of the year. Came back with about five, six rounds to go, played four in the VFL, and then played the last AFL game for the year, which happened to be my the, um, 100th game. So, yeah, it was a long time, mate, to get to that 100th game, but. Again, that was just my body starting to break down and showing me the time to, to uh, potentially see the career is going to come to an end. But, yeah, I managed to hold on, mate. And the next few years, I've thought i have get a lot more injuries. But, um, yeah, so had some good times there as well.
0: Yeah, because you... I mean, a lot of your career was spent on the sidelines, really, watching the boys play. What's that like when... Especially when teams are playing well, like, you know, even at Geelong when... They were making the finals and stuff, and uh, your first season, I mean, and and you're sort of sitting there on the sidelines. Do you feel? Do you feel left out?
2: Uh, you do in a way. I guess any player that's not playing, they so need to feel left out. Um, you worry about your position, but you, you worry, obviously you're obviously happy for how the team's performing, and you want to make sure. I love North Melbourne more than anyone, so I want to make sure the club always wins and the clubs always first. But you always worry about, your, you know, in the back of your mind, going, How hey, you're going to get back to this side," or you know, in the end, it's your job too, so. You've got to think that sort of mindset, but look you just got to put that aside and do what you can to get your body right. And you definitely, when you're not playing and you're injured, you do definitely feel segregated from the group. You're um, on different time schedules. You know, the boys are sometimes in and out. You know, they're doing social stuff on the weekends. You don't join if you're injured. There's just so many parts of that that change your lifestyle being injured compared to playing. But look, that's just part of the answer and part of the job you're in. Um, and then again, there's the frustration of being injured. I think this makes you. It's in a shit mood mate, unfortunately. But again, you just want to get back out and play, then you might get a back again. But that's the part of football, mate. you will be up and down. But again, I wouldn't change anything for the world.
0: Yeah, you, you've got a great perspective there. I want to talk about 2012. Now, unfortunately, I have to bring this up. Round one, the shot after the sign, which you, which you missed. McIntosh
1: is forward, big target. And McIntosh will go up here. Can he get hands on it? One, two. It was a terrible kick. Who was it to kick it out? He'll have the last trick of the game to win the game. One second. <laughs> There's the siren and 46,000 people here at Eddie Hat Stadium are on their edge of their seats. This is the climax Thank that they've been my waiting 50. for. Thank you for 50. It comes down to this north wind. across the face and the you've got to love this
0: game I mean that would have been pretty much a, a fairy tale story really because you miss most of 11 you come back you're finally fit for 2012 you have that shot after the siren when you miss a shot after the siren do you literally blame yourself do you sit there and say it's if I had to kick that we would have won and it's it's all my fault is that thing or do you are you very much aware that there are a lot of things that go wrong in the game
2: uh definitely your first reaction is it's your fault so i, I remember that game vividly, mate but so, most of the time you now when i have a few a few in my system mate and a couple of stubbies, i usually bring that story up with my mates and talk a bit of shit about it so yeah look it would have been a fantasy mate to kick that one um but unfortunately it's been right but yeah look it was when i missed it mate it was, it was nice to mark it i could play shit that night but i um by Mark, you know, I just felt confident about kicking a goal, but when you miss it, it's natural reaction, you just feel like horrible. So yeah, you feel like you lost the game for your teammates. And anyone, no matter what anyone says to you. It's like the whole thing can come up to which they did and the coach and said it's not your fault. there's other circumstances in the game. You the usual jargon you hear, but so, forget the time, you just feel horrible. So it's especially round one, through his two hundred, it's yeah, it was definitely pretty flattening to make it so I didn't kick it. Um and I would have loved to to feel the feeling mate, of kicking that goal and just carrying like a goose. So, yeah, look, we're still, I still thinking about it today, maybe no good times. It would have been very nice to get that goal. So, But again, it's part of football, mate, and um, I guess the positive out of kicking that goal was in the next 48, 72 hours after, it was the amount of friends and family that called you and text you um, it's in the end of the game, like the game is sport. But the amount of people who call and text to make, you, make sure you're all right, you're feeling okay. You know, don't worry about it, get around, you. It was overwhelming. And again, that's the only positive I could see out of it is that um, you see how many people care about you to make sure mentally you're okay and you get on with your life, which was, yeah, um, it was very comforting, mate, at the time. But yeah, look, I thought sort of what it
0: would have it up to go. Yeah, because I was going to, I mean, you've already pretty much answered it, but I was going to ask you when that happens and you miss a shot, do you, how long does it take you to sort of officially say, okay, I'm going to move on? Like, do you the next day? Do you sort of get up and you're in a foul mood? Or, you know, I missed the shot. I can't believe it. How long does it take you to go? Okay, there's nothing I can do about it. We just got to look forward to the next game.
2: Oh, the next day, you still pretty flat, uh, obviously. So, but um, oh, just gonna, you just got to you got to move on quickly, mate. It's the nature the landscape that we're in. Uh, if you just if you dwell on it too far, mate, the game you'll play shit the next week. So you just got to move on. Um. You just going to move on quickly. If you don't, um, your form will be inhibited. So, yeah, look, the next day was flat. Look, you get around it. The next, look, you was know, after the game, I didn't play the wink, So the next day I was still pretty flat about everything. So I could still think about it because I slept it off. But after the Sunday night, slept it off, got on with it. Got the training Monday. Get a bit of, you know, the usual shit. The boys get around you and, um, you know, make you kick the goals in front of them. You know, you shouldn't miss it. Use your, use your crap, mate. But then once you get a Tuesday, Wednesday, you move on pretty quickly in the next week. and. I was pretty keen to play well the next week, mate, and, and it's just put that week behind me, which happened, which was great. And um, yeah, played well and, and sort of moved on from there. But yeah, it would have been bloody great to um, keep the goal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And round seven, 2012 against the Bulldogs. You go in for a contest late and again, you injure in your knee. Did, did you do your ACL?
2: He tracks the kick down the line, mate. McIntosh really come oh, up. Oh, he's hurt, hurt himself too. Hurt himself. Hurt his,
1: his knee. knee. He has. He's, he's landed
0: on oh. the back of, oh, he's a lot of pain. Yeah,
2: Pickin, Liam Picken actually came in to remonstrate with him and then saw that he was in all sorts of difficulty. Oh, The, knee oh,
0: the kneecap. Yeah, looks yeah. like the
2: kneecap's dislocated. Oh, this does not look good. Just like Hamish lose. McIntosh with the substitutes vest on. Ice on that right knee. Nah, that was so. I'd already snapped my PCL. Um, I'd already snapped my PCL in 08 and you live without it so i didn't get i didn't have the um reconstruction yet i just strengthen up strengthen up the muscle around it okay but then 2012 when i put the knee in the guys back it just completely destroyed my knee and made it to the point for my pcl become so unstable without the pcl ligament in there and then i actually tried to come back two weeks later and my cartilage fell out of my knee so i popped off and then we got uh... specialist opinions and it's like with your knees become so unstable now that you need to go back and tighten it back up. So, we need to put a ligament in there, put the large ligament in there. So, that's when I had the last reconstruction on my knees for the PCL. Um, and it was a longer, way longer reconstruction than we hoped. Because, um, unfortunately, my knee just become so unstable, then when we tighten it back up, there's just so many complications with it, with trying to loosen my knee back up again because of all the scar tissue. And then I was linking heaves, my running gauge would come all out. I was just getting injured everywhere, my ankles were breaking down. So... That's why I took place for two years to get back to play the football again because my body just became so out of whack and my knee just couldn't get right for so long.
0: Did you have any inkling at the time that may have been the beginning of the end of your time at North Melbourne?
2: Oh, I knew I was going, getting close because uh, Goldie started to come into his own. And I knew Goldie was going to be a superstar, the way he was playing, uh, the way he's improving from when he first got to the club today. You could see the guy was going to be a, a really, really good ruckman, and... So, for myself, the writing was on the wall, and I'm sort of getting older now. Um, if I roll at AFL level, to North was going to be the second ruck forward, and I don't, I didn't see myself last in that position. So, I felt that there would be people to come across or come through and take that role pretty quickly. But two genuine rucksmen in one side doesn't really work, although I was playing okay to forward, but I could see it happening that if I got injured or went out of the side, it would be really difficult to get back in, or the older I got, they'd find someone else. So. As much as I love North, mate, I didn't want to leave, but it's still that my hat, my hat changed, mate, and realised I've got to do what's best for myself, as much as I love the club, and yeah, sort of at that point where I got injured, I realised it's was probably time for myself to move on from the club, which was unfortunate, mate, but it had to happen, because I was still looking at it now, that if I stayed, my career would have ended a lot earlier than it did. Um, yeah, I, I just could see myself laughing with that second forward.
0: How did Geelong come about? Geelong enjoying a good day of the AFL trade market. Uh, North Melbourne
2: big man Hamish McIntosh is heading to the Cats. They've also snared Melbourne's free agent, Jared Rivers. McIntosh was the Cats' priority during the three-week trade period and Geelong
1: will give up pick number 36 in the national draft. McIntosh has signed a three-year deal. Rivers is on for two years.
2: i manager, at the time. Um, They're looking for a ruckman, so I just sort of left it in As my manager, said, mate, I think it's time to go. He sort of brought it to me first. I said, I don't really want to go to any club. So he sort of explained. Well, we never really talked to any other clubs, rather than Geelong, that you know, they were in the window. I loved, I went to Geelong as a kid, so I, I sort of knew a few guys down there. So I thought that that would be the one that fits pretty well. And yeah, Tommy told me to sort of go over there, had a couple of meetings with them, and yeah, the sort of rest of history and North were really good to, to trade me on and yeah, not make it hard or anything like that. So I saw a pretty smooth process between both clubs that um, it wasn't too hard for me to get there. and. Um,
0: yeah, got down to Geelong. And and to th- that two thousand and thirteen season was Geelong still had a lot of those players from that their dynasties. How frustrating was it that first season in two thousand and thirteen, was there ever a time where you thought I'm gonna miss a premiership? Because they made it all the way to the prelim and lost to Hawthorne. But how frustrating was that? Yeah and, and also just before you answer that, you're coming to a new club, obviously. No matter what you do in the past, you want to make an impression on this new club and you can't do that because you're out injured.
2: Definitely very frustrating. Um, yeah, I found it yeah very difficult, mate, at the um, yeah at the time. So I guess that year was my toughest year in football. I was talking about tough years. So it was just, yeah, physically I was obviously having my battles. And then, um, yeah, mate, obviously mentally I found it really difficult as well going to a new club. And not being able to, um, not being able to play at all. Um, barely going out the training track, and just being out in front of all those superstars, in front of like Enright, um, Johnson, Selwood, um, you know, Chapman, all these stars at the footy club. To so know him played game. My first year there, they recruited me as a ruckman, and we lost the first, we lost the preliminary final by a goal, and we had Brett Ruffin who had played about three games of football. Um, yeah, look, I was just yeah, mentally, mate. I was shot that year. It was, just, it was incredibly difficult, mate. And uh, that was a year of football I would rather forget. But yeah, just physically and mentally, I was, I was cooked and didn't have a great year in either, in either aspect, mate. I could have handled myself so much better mentally, but I didn't. Spending Michelle, mate, and yeah, just felt embarrassed really going to the clubs because he went there as a crew and didn't play games. So it was really, really difficult, mate. I, I must admit, I, I'm pretty open about that. But, that year definitely tested
0: me, mate. but got through it, but uh, it was definitely a year that I would want to live again. Right, three-quarter time here on A5Q and this guest I've got on, you're going to really want to listen to it because things get a little bit heated towards the end, not, not necessarily between me and him, but just some of the things he talks about um, and some of the, the difficult times in his career is very, very interesting. So I had the opportunity to sit down and have a chat with three-time premiership player, Brownlow medalist, All-Australian, best and fairest in the AFL, the one Jason Ackermanis. That's right. Absolutely one of my idols growing up, and to listen to him speak about every issue in his career was unbelievable. So I'll just give you a snippet, and we'll go from there. No, it's
2: and it burns in my soul. It's probably an less but I just I can't
1: stand What I can't
2: stand is now, you know what they do? they uh they do it, they do it the right way i'm not saying they learned anything from when i did it but they
0: certainly f-ed it up didn't give me a chance to have a last game didn't give me a chance to a chance to just left me hanging all because of a few selfish f- in, in the bulldogs who just f- couldn't handle
2: it Had a silk yeah you know like it there, there's not one party ever speaks well of
1: those guys for doing that like when you give your life to the game you deserve just a hair bit more i wasn't even much f- even asking too much just just to clap around or just to
2: say, thanks so much, Akka. and in the end, I never had that, never had a chance to say goodbye or anything like that. It's like, it didn't have to be that way, and so it's it's a shame. It happened. Um, you know, I walk away, and I was, I would have had it, I carried it with me for a long time, i got to tell you. I'm over it now, but you know, now that you mentioned it, it does, it still burns
0: bright, that That was just one minute of over an hour conversation, so trust me, it gets better. You've got to listen to the full episode when it becomes available in a couple of weeks' time. And also, there is a lot of swearing, as you probably could tell, uh, in the full episode that will not be beeped out. So just a warning for anyone that is a little bit sensitive to swear words. It won't be beeped out, okay? But anyway, let's get back to Hamish McIntosh. Yeah, the way you're talking now makes it, you know, it answers a lot of questions. Because I remember your first game for Geelong. It was round 1, 2014 against Adelaide at Cardinia Park. And I specifically yeah. remember you kicking that goal from about 50 metres out. And your, cele- yeah. your celebration, the way you're talking now, the celebration really makes sense. Do you, that moment, did you just, you finally returned to play and it was just a, a feeling of euphoria. That's what it looked like to watch you celebrate that goal.
1: Just said the umpire, doesn't matter, McIntosh has run on. His first kick for Geelong is a major. Welcome to the cavalry, Hamish McIntosh.
2: Oh, it definitely was. Well, it still gives me tingle down the spine now. I when not actually said to so, say, oh, mate, it was just such a thing for the week. It was just, like I said, mate, it was just a long time. Just two years between drinks, between playing games, and oh, the amount of mental and physical anger and frustration I went through. And, um, yeah, it was bloody tough. So, I it was a good time. That, that was definitely the toughest time through the career. So, oh, mate, when you finally just got back out in the park and just, yeah, I just re- went from my head to was actually to get back to that point and then just to kick a goal. Mate, my first kick at the club with a goal. So, oh that was an unbelievable feeling. It's still, I still think back now, i back in the office one day, and some happened. Some days you just have random thoughts and that might have come through your head, and it, gives, it just brings a massive smile to my face, man. It's, um, it's great to think back at that. It's just a reward for effort for the amount of time put in to get back to that point. Yeah, you know, it's two years of work to get back to kicking one goal. So, it's, um, yeah, it was great fun and I guess that's why I was so bloody excited when I took the goal, mate. And I was so trying to start to put a few of those demons behind me from 2013 and have a good year. And that year was good. Yeah, we had a great fun. The side was successful and we went to the finals and did everything like that. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely an enjoyable year.
0: Yeah, I mean, you played 19 games for Geelong. You had three seasons at the club and all 19 games were in that one season, 2014. Uh, Geelong, yep. again, have a great year. They make the top four again. They make the top four every year. But <laughs> this year, finished third. You play in the first final against Hawthorne, the qualifying final. It wasn't a great night for Geelong. But what was it like to return to finals football? Because you that was the first final you played since the, the 07 prelim against Port. Long time between drinks. What's Can you describe what it's like to run out on the MCG in a final?
2: Uh, it was good, mate. Yeah, it was obviously, I didn't play too well that night. I ended up getting subbed. I think I was the last, um, it was the last guy to get subbed, actually, you know, for April Football, which is good. So, um, they got the red vest on, but, uh, oh, it was good. It was, the experience is unbelievable to play in front of a big crowd. Didn't play too well, obviously, but my knee was hanging on by a thread, actually, quite at point. So I didn't change the last few weeks and hence why I missed the next final. So, um, yeah, sort of battling through. Uh, that, but yeah, overall experience of getting back to finals football was unbelievable. Um, they didn't play well, but yeah, big crowd, you know, I think it was Saturday night or Friday night, whatever it was, and great experience. Um, unfortunately we lost it, but still to get back to that point, mate, I was, I was sort of hoping that I knew that was sort of going to be the last run, mate. I sort of knew, I knew the body was nearly packing up, so I thought that might be the run to have a go at it, but yeah, unfortunately it didn't go well.
0: Really? The way you're talking now, did, did you really think that 2014 final series was possibly your last chance to win a premiership? Is that what you're saying?
2: Oh, I knew 2015 was going to be in my last year, but I could see the way. I, I knew the the club was we going to recruit. I knew they were going to bring in some falls, so uh, we ended up getting Mitch Park, I think, the year after, and some young bucks coming through. So I knew my spot on the side was definitely in jeopardy, so it was definitely going to be more difficult, I suppose, to maintain my spot on the side that year after. So I thought I had, I thought I knew that was giving me in my run. I know it was coming to my last year, my contract. So um, that was sort of the reason I was thinking that I, I thought that would be my best chance at a run. And it with North over with Geelong. Of course, I did in the background, hey, with my body that one of the chances of me playing two full years in a row, um, considering I barely got through a full season in
0: five years. So when was it through that 2015? I mean, 2015, of course, you didn't play a game and uncharacteristically, Geelong missed the finals. When was it throughout the season when you knew, yep, 100% I'm done?
2: So, I actually had a really good preseason, And I started to be active actually, in the reserves. I actually started to okay. I was like, playing be me, but in the reserves. And then, um, I think I was reasonably close to playing a game, actually, in the ruck. And then, round two, or round one of the BFL, I uh, started the last quarter. I snapped my calf tendon. So, I snapped my calf tendon, and I missed 16 weeks. So, I thought, right, awesome trying to get back from this, and then I went to come back. and I was pretty close to come back, coming back to playing, and then my left ankle gave way again, so it just had some internal damage in there. So I knew it was and I was gonna have to get there to battle through it. And for, for myself to get playing VFL, and we're not to play um, finals, um, or I'll give you another option. Like, what's the point of coming back to this option for last year? I know I'm done so. I was sort of once that ankle started to get sore. I said, Look, this is it for me. I can't do it again. I've had, you know, can't even tell you how many surgeries I've had now. So I just disappointed mentally. I all done. So I can't do this anymore. So just said that once my ankle went sore, went away, told people, I said, I'm retiring. And yeah, literally a week later, got in front of the boys and said, That's it. I'm done. So it's just, yeah, retired and moved on to the next part of my
0: life, mate. Do you feel robbed at all? Do you feel unlucky you couldn't stay fit and healthy? I mean, you look at players like, as an example, Joel Selwood. I mean, pretty much plays twenty plus games every single year. Dustin Martin's the same. Has I mean, Dustin Martin's played in the AFL for twelve years, never played less than twenty games a season. Do you feel why me?
2: Not really. No, I never think that. I think I look at the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, I've had I played one hundred twenty six games and I had five, three, four clear years where I wasn't injured at all. We look at the other side, mate. Look at you know Daniel Randall, Alex Johnson. You know yeah. all these guys that have done multiple needs and never even got one chance at it. So you can say that you've been rolled, well, but I, I think that's a bit rich when you're considering how some guys have been. You know, have been injured and done four, three, four knees and never actually got a chance at it. So i have still well, relatively comfortable with the chances I had and the opportunities I had in my career.
0: Good. It's good perspective. Hamish, just as we are about to close up now, I've got three last questions for you and I always ask these questions to my guests in one sentence. If throughout your entire career from North Melbourne and Geelong, who is the best player you ever played with and why? Who is the best player you ever played against and why? And lastly, who is the best coach you ever played under and why? Played with? oh, it's a
2: tough one. Obviously, Brent Harvey's right up there. I love what Drew, P- Drew Petrie brought us up. To- um, broad as well, in terms of how he competed. Um, that's such a tough question from the land. but probably Harvey is obviously one of the best of all time. And I like the Drew Petricks and Archer just for different reasons, because they weren't necessarily the, the best player on the team, but the way they competed and just cut a crack um, would be yeah definitely the ones I, I'd admire the most that I played with. The one against, oh, I was definitely Dan Cox, so he was clearly the next generation ruckman to come through he really changed the game of ruck work that you couldn't just be a pat ruckman anymore you've got to have an ability around the ground and have an impact so was definitely the one I modeled my game off spoken uh, like a true ruckman yeah (laughs) even the one in my game when I thought that um in my game when I thought I was playing my best football and I thought I was playing okay and I thought I could beat most opponents but when I come up against Ben Cox he just I just couldn't beat him, he fogged me every time. So, yeah, I just, yeah, he was just such a unique player, It's so hard to match up against. Him. Look, it, it, it's easily the best runner of all time. He, he changed the landscape of the game. Like He changed the role of the wrestling. so um He's clearly the best I've seen. Um, and then the coach, well, I'd have to say late mate. Yeah, Lades for 10, or eight years. It's unbelievable, tactfully great, um, drove the group well. Um, and again, he's really big for my career.
0: Very, very well answered, Hamish. It's been awesome to chat. I really admire your gratitude and your resilience, and I wish you all the very best in everything you're doing now out of professional football. Thank you very much for coming on the show.
2: Thanks very much,
0: mate. Here it is. It's all over! And that's a wrap. Thank you to everyone for tuning into A5Q. Don't forget to spread the word, subscribe, leave a rating. Until next time, old sport.